Today we're starting a new series called Habits. They are leading us somewhere. And uh, I want to celebrate this morning before we get into the series what God did last week. Uh, if you were here last week, Easter was awesome. Amen. We just saw some great things happen. And I want to just celebrate that in every single section, all three services, people had their hands raised to rededicate or receive Jesus Christ for the first time. And so let's give God a hand. That is awesome. And so we celebrate that and we thank you. We thank you for inviting people. We had like 782 people here. We're not about those numbers, but as you've heard before, every number has a face and every face has a story and that story matters to God. Amen. And so we thank you that you invited. We want to thank those that volunteered. Um, And maybe you're here today because you were here last week. And so we're glad that you're here uh, today. We're in this series called Habits. And, you know, I was thinking about this series because for all of us, this series on habits kind of, it kind of creates a little bit of tension for us. Because all of us have habits that we wish we didn't have. And the Lord kind of began to work uh, on me about this series. And uh, Pastor Jim, who's been here a long time, him and I used to talk. And I asked him this question. Have you ever preached on a series that you didn't feel like you were very good at? And he said, (laughs) all the time. And so that makes me feel good because there's things in this series that I need to learn as well. We're talking about habits, and here's the definition that we're going to go with on this series, and it's simply this, something that you do regularly without thinking about it. Read that with me. Something you do regularly without thinking about it. Have you ever thought about how a habit develops? I was thinking about this. Really, it happens either naturally or intentionally. Give you an example. How many of you have smartphones? Raise your hand. Most of us do. Probably all of us, maybe, or at least most of us do. Have you ever noticed how when you're sitting in the doctor's office waiting to go in, you have a habit of doing what? Getting on your phone, right? And some of us, whether we want to admit this or not, we even have it of give we even have a habit of getting on our phone while we're watching TV. In fact, the other day we were trying to watch a movie together, and Noah's like, Dad, we're watching a movie. Get off your phone. Before you judge me, you guys do the same thing. You know you do. So whether it happens naturally, like getting on your phone, or intentionally, like, for example, when I was little, I don't know this, but my parents told me that I didn't like to brush my teeth. And they taught me to, by intentionally teaching me, you have to brush your teeth. So now I have a habit, aren't you proud of me, of brushing my teeth. I check my phone naturally, and I brush my teeth because someone intentionally put that habit in me. So whether we've got habits intentionally or naturally, what we do know is our habits are leading us somewhere. And so this morning, the question that kept coming to me is, where are my habits leading me? And I would ask you that same question. Where are your habits leading you? Something as silly as looking at a phone, if that's a habit, then that's taking away time from your kids, and obviously that bothers Noah. And some of us, if we have a habit of not brushing our teeth, our parents tell us we're going to have get bad news at the dentist. Things as small as that, they lead us somewhere. And sometimes we have habits that are obviously way more important than those two that I just mentioned. The truth is your habits matter. 
One of the things that they tell you um, when you're going to class to be a, a pastor or a preacher especially is there needs to be a point in the service where you, you have this so what moment. Which means, why in the world do I even care to listen to, to you talk? So I want to give you the so what moment today. The reason that you're here, the reason that you even will want to stay engaged in what I'm talking about when we talk about habits. You ready? The habits you have today will become the legacy that you leave tomorrow. That's so what? Why do I need to listen? Because the habits that you have today, all the good ones, all the little ones, all the big ones, all the bad ones, those habits will become your legacy tomorrow. I shared this in the first service. Pastor Jim was here for 30-some years, and if you were here when he retired, the community, along with the church, bought him a truck. And the church bought him a vacation to Alaska, a Alaskan cruise. Because of, we didn't think about it when we were doing it, it was a legacy. But a legacy is a habit a day. It's one habit at a time. When you go to children's camp, which I don't understand Jim doing this, but he did it. When you go to children's camp for 24 years in a row, that habit becomes a legacy. You know people like that. It's one day at a time. Things happen one day at a time. So while we have habits, we need to understand that it's not just about today. It's about tomorrow. It's about the next day. And when you put all that thing together, it's like saving $5 a day. It doesn't seem like much at the time. But that habit becomes a legacy. So where are your habits and where are my habits leading us? Today's message is about the power of the most important habit. Because when we think of this, we could think of all the bad habits we have all the sinful habits that we might have, all the things that we wish we could do differently. And we could focus on that, but here's what I want us to focus on today. Not those things. What I want us to focus on is, if we will do this one thing that I'm getting ready to tell you, it will have a ripple effect on all the other things that are running through your mind right now. Could be marriage, could be finance, could be an addiction, could be an obsession, it could be depression, whatever it is, whatever you're thinking of. Here it is. Here's the power of the habit that God's calling us to. To develop and maintain the habit of putting God first. Let's read it together. Above everyone and everything. Think about that for a, se- for a second. What would happen? I'm not saying that it's that way right now in your life. That's not even what I'm saying. But but imagine what would happen if you and I would develop and maintain the habit of putting God first above our spouse, above our house, above our job, above our hobbies, above our trials, above our struggles, above what the doctor thinks. Above what somebody who doesn't like us thinks. Above everything. 
How often? All the time. That would make a huge impact in our lives. That's the power of a habit. And we're going to look at a story each week from the Bible about a different person who had a habit, and good or bad, and, and dissect that. Today, we're going to be talking about the story of Joseph. Now, I'm not going to read you all these chapters from 37 to 50. So if you want to read this whole story, and if you've never read the story, you need to read the whole story. It's a great story. But I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version of the story today because Joseph had a powerful habit of putting God first in the good times, in the in-between times, and what seemed like, for a long time, the bad times. And we can learn some things from that. So Joseph was a part of a really big family. And his dad made no bones about it. Joseph was his favorite son. And, you know, they even bought him a special coat called a coat of many colors. And his brothers didn't like that, didn't like him too much. And he would mock them. And then he, you know, said, hey, I had a dream. And this dream is, is, you know, that everybody's bowing down to me. And that was like the last straw. And so they said, you know what, let's just get rid of this guy. You ever thought about getting rid of your sister, or your brother? I mean, that's that's pretty intense. And so they, he's coming to him out in the field because his dad sent him to him, and they decide that they're going to kill him. And one of them says, "Let's not kill him. Let's just put him down in this cistern, this big thing, and you know, and he can just suffer down there." And about that time, some people came over the hill. They were these, they they weren't. Traders, T R A I, they were traders, T R A D. And these guys sell their brother for 20 pieces of silver. Now you think you're a bad sibling. And yet, instead of getting bitter, Joseph continued to be faithful and have a habit of putting God first. Later in that same story, he's accused of some things he didn't do. This lady comes on to him and he keeps saying no. And she says, you know, come to bed with me one day. And he says no and he leaves and and she accuses him. And they believe what she said even though it wasn't true. And he goes to jail for two years. And he continues to stay faithful. Can you imagine being in jail for for two years and still having this attitude and this habit of God no matter what, you're first. And later in that same story, he redeems himself and becomes somebody in the prison that people look up to and through a bunch of things happening, he gets out and he raised, and he becomes second in command of all of Egypt and everybody's underneath him except for one guy. And long story short, there's a famine in the land and those guys, his family that, t- that had turned their back on him and, and treated him terrible, he comes face to face with them. And he has all the power in the world to do whatever he wants. To make a long story short, he chooses forgiveness. Because at every intersection, he had this habit of putting God first. Did you know Jesus died for our habits on Friday? But he was raised 
to life so that we could have new habits. And a lot of us live like it's Friday. But I want to tell you today, Jesus resurrected from the dead. That's why we celebrate Easter. It's not just to say that he's alive, but he's alive so that we can be alive and that we can live different and we can live changed. So I want to unpack this for for just a minute, going back through his story. Joseph's habit of putting God first regularly allowed him to be resilient. In fact, to stay resilient in his faith rather than relent to fear and failure. You know, it is so easy to get down when things are down. I don't know about you, but when it's cloudy outside, that, in, that impacts my mood. Some of us it doesn't, but for some of us it does. One of the first things Whitney does when she gets up is we got these big bay windows. She'll go and she'll just open those curtains. And it's not just a winter or a rainy time that can get us down. We can sometimes go through those seasons of winter in our lives and they can just get us down. And we can get so consumed by those things in our life that get us down. You know, I just shared with you last week, Noah's in a cast. And what he sees in front of him is... And many of us know what this is like in some form or fashion. But regardless of what the weather's doing outside, regardless of what's going on in life, there's sunshine because the tomb is empty. And we can have power over what we're dealing with. We don't have to stay in our fear and failure with the cross. We can stay resilient because the tomb is empty. Are you hanging with me? You can be resilient in the midst of your struggle, in the midst of what's going on, because Jesus raised to life so you can. Joseph had this habit of putting God first and allowed him to stay resilient when these traitors are carrying him off from everything that he knows. We watch these movies and, you know, crime shows and forensic files and she was kidnapped with a duct tape around her mouth, put in the trunk, being carried away. That's what, that was happening to Joseph. He didn't know what was going to happen to him. And yet he stays resilient In other words, the habit of putting God first keeps your faith strong even when life has punched you in the stomach. Even when life has punched you in the stomach. Joseph was punched in the stomach, but listen to this. I love this. But the Lord was with Joseph. Read the next three words. In But the Lord was with Joseph. One more time. But the Lord was with Joseph in the... What's your prison? Noah would say, my cast. Some of you would say, my debt. Some of you would say, my marriage. My job. My lack of job. The people that I work with. Some of you would say yes to all those. Jesus was raised. He's alive. 
so that we don't have to stay at the cross. We can be resurrected. Another thing we see from the story I just said is Joseph had this habit of putting God first and allowed him to run from temptation rather than yield to it. In other words, the habit of putting God first keeps you from what? Compromising. Read that with me. The habit of putting God first keeps you. What are your habits in unguarded moments? No one's around. Nobody's going to find out. It's just you and Potiphar's wife. That was the name of the lady that came on to him. This is a story that has been preached a lot because it's a lot to the story. It's a great story. But I have, and I've shared this before because I've talked on this several times. Joseph had to have been attracted to her. That's why he ran. See, when you put God first in your life, in every area, and temptation comes into the picture, not something that you can say, I'm not, I'm not tempted with that. I'm not tempted with struggling in that area. It's not a temptation. I'm talking about the one you're like, oh, man. Uh, Joseph, his habit of putting God first allowed him to tear himself away. Sometimes when Noah was little, especially, he would put his arms around my legs when I would leave, like he wanted me to stay. And after a while, it was cute, but then it got old. It's like, okay, I need to go. And I would have to tear myself away from him. Joseph tore himself away, leaving some of his clothes in her hand. And then let's read those yellow words. Ready? He, why does it say he walked? Or he got out, he ran. I think sometimes what Satan does is some of us have the habit of thinking this time. Now check this out before you check out on me. Maybe this next thing I'm going to say is the only thing you need to hear and then you can not listen the rest of the time. This, this is, you might need to hear this. Sometimes we have this habit that leads us somewhere and that habit is I can handle this. I should be able to handle this. But when you put God first, God says, son, you can't handle this. There's pride and then there's humility. Pride says, I can do this. Humility understands, I can't do this without God. I got to get out of here. It's interesting how everything's through the doorway of humility. Pride says, I can stay here. Humility says, I'm not that good. I'm out. Sometimes we need to have the habit of running instead of staying. 
I do not eat lunch with someone who's female other than my wife by myself. I take that back. I ate lunch with Betty Ledford. She's 79 years old. So you're saying something could happen? I'm just saying I'm not even going there. In a group's different. I don't, I don't develop that habit. Joseph allowed him also, he, his habit of putting God first allowed him to choose reconciliation rather than what? When somebody you don't know does something to you, that's one thing. But when somebody close to you, like your family, sells you, trades you away for 20 pieces of silver, that's another thing. And we find in this story, now this is just crazy to me. This is insane to me. At the end of the story, he comes face to face with his brothers. And a few different things happen. But in the end, here's what happens. Joseph tells his family, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? Now listen to this. This is a resurrected perspective. You intended to harm me. You know, dump me in a cistern and leave me for dead. But God intended it all for good. He, He, not you traitors, not you jerks, He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. Who does that? Somebody who's not focused on Friday. Somebody who's living because of Sunday. Tomb's empty. See, when we develop the habit of putting God first... It helps us choose love instead of hate. Last week, if you were here, I shared, I think it was last week, I shared this story about that one person in my life that I had a hard time forgiving. I think I shared that. It wasn't last week. And I want God to be first in my life, but I'm also a human being. And this person hurt. And so this person, I encounter this person through no fault of theirs or no fault of mine. We ran into each other. And I remember what they did. It was dirty. It was wrong. But Jesus raised to life. So that he could live in me. And I'm to make it a habit of putting him first. And so when I see that person, what I would like to see happen is get out of my face. But then God starts to say, you can't do that. 
because that's going to affect me and you if you do that. So you can do what you want, but you can't be hating him and say you love me. Now you deal with that. I don't know if that ran through Joseph's mind or not when he saw his betrayers, but that's kind of what went through my mind. How do you get to a point where Joseph was and says, you can live in the region and you can be what? You can be what? You hurt me. You turned your back on me and you can be near me. That's the power of the habit of having God first in your life. And this is how far I want you to know you can be near me. You can be near me. All your children can be near me. Your grandchildren can be near me. Your flocks and herd and everything that you own. Joseph's habit of putting God first had a tremendous ripple effect in every season of his life. It allowed him to stay resilient when he was being taken away. It allowed him to run from temptation when everything physiologically going on in his body was telling him something else. And it allowed him to reconcile with his family when everything going off, I'm sure, was, leave me alone. That's what happens when we develop and we maintain this habit of putting God First in our life, above everyone and everything, all the time. But for some reason, just because there's so many in here, I I guarantee there's people in here that says, yeah, that's great, but that's not for me. Somebody caught me out in the hall earlier and said, I heard your sermon. But this happened in my life. And what they told me was bad. It was bad. So how can I forgive them? I said, that's easy. It's not easy, but the answer is easy. You're asking the wrong question. How can I? You can't do it. How can he forgive us? Christ forgave us so that we could forgive others. We have to realize that the habit of putting God first doesn't start naturally. It starts intentionally. There are things that God, are, God is going to call us to do and call us to be and, and places He calls us to go that we naturally don't want to do that. Jonah is an example of that in the Bible. But as we develop this habit, now check this out, as we develop this habit of putting God first in our life, it becomes more natural and more natural and more natural to choose His will over our will. It doesn't mean that we, we completely aren't human. We still struggle with those things. But it's easier when you continue to make right decision after right decision after right decision after right decision. When it's warm outside, when it's cold outside, when things are going well, when things are going bad. 
when we continually let God be first in our life, those habits start to stack up and they form a legacy. And conversely, when we make wrong decision after wrong decision after wrong decision after wrong decision, those habits stack up and they form a legacy. But I have good news today. The tomb is empty so that your legacy and my legacy can change. Do you want Jesus or do you want your bitterness? Do you want to stay angry? Or do you want to forgive because God forgave you? So this question as we wrap this up is simply this. Who has a habit of being first place in your life? I want us to bow our heads. You don't have to close your eyes. Have you ever had to have an awkward conversation and you don't want to look at somebody to talk when you're talking to them? You can look at the floor. You can notice our carpet. We need new carpet. (laughs) But check this out. I want you to ask this question. When it comes to your finances, when it comes to marriage, when it comes to your divorce, when it comes to your pain, when it comes to your addictions, when it comes to all, when when you boil it all down, who habitually, regularly, has a pattern of being first place in your life? You may not spend any more, any other time during the week thinking about that. So we've budgeted it for it right now. Who has a habit of being first place in your life? Whenever you got that thought in your mind, you can look up. God wants himself to be first place in your life. When you encounter the person that hurt you, when you're trying to figure out who you're going to marry, when you're trying to figure out how you're going to get through this divorce, when you're trying to figure out how to get over someone who abused you, when you're trying to figure out how to navigate somebody else who's hurting and you don't know what the answer is, if you've made a habit all along the way of listening to God and seeking God and being with God, it becomes less intentional and more natural. It doesn't matter where you start. It matters where you finish. And today, every single one of us have the opportunity to, for the first time or again, to make God first place in our life. So this week, I was done with my sermon. I had this idea and I went to one of our secretaries, Michelle, and I said, I have this idea. We started talking about it. And she goes, you know those cheesy first and second place ribbons that you get in middle school for the ball throw or three-legged race? I go, yeah. She goes, what if you gave him a cheesy ribbon? And what if you gave him a second place ribbon to remind them that God's plans are first and your plans go after that? I'm like, that is brilliant. If God's plans are first, 
First place is blue ribbon. Second place is red. If God's plans are first, that means my plans are second. My plan says hold a grudge. God's plan says forgive. So at either corner over here, and if you can't get up and get one, have somebody get you one. We've got these cheesy second place ribbons. Now, here's the deal. If you're not competitive, you're going to think I'm ridiculous, but I'm competitive. You've heard the statement, second place is basically last place. For those competitive people, may this be the ribbon, the only second place ribbon that you keep. And may it be a reminder when you're angry, when you're struggling, when you're hurting, not my will, but his. Let's stand together. Wrestled with this week. Okay, so do we do we pass out those ribbons or do we have them come get them? And initially I was going to have us pass them out, but then we came to this decision that the walk to get the ribbon is our part, is our choice. It's our choice to decide if we're going to be second or we're going to be first. If you weren't able to get a ribbon, you can grab one whenever you want. But I want to celebrate today those who got ribbons and are saying, I'm going to make a habit of making my plan second and God's first. Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you today for who you are. We thank you, God, that you can give us a powerful habit of putting you first in every area of our lives. We give you praise and glory for who you are. In Jesus' name. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Have a blessed Sunday.